This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. How important is mental hygiene to mental health? How is social media affecting our mental hygiene? We are in conversation with Dr. Karsi Chawla regarding the boys' locker room incident and what are the repercussions of it. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of our podcast, The SOS Show. And it is such a pleasure to have this conversation with a very, very senior psychiatrist, Dr. Karsi Chawla, who is the past president of the Bombay Psychiatry Society. He's a consultant at the Hinduja's Healthcare at Reliance Foundation Hospitals. Currently, he's the chairperson of the Indian Psychiatry Psychiatry Society Task Force dealing with college psychiatry. Hi, Dr. Karsi. Welcome to our podcast, The SOS Show. And thank you for taking out time for this uh, very important episode. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So you're on the advisory board of the mental health panel of Project Mumbai 2, which is a government enterprise uh, dealing with MMR. So what kind of mental health cases emerge in this region related to the teens and the kids? You know, I don't think that it's going to be very specific for Bombay or very specific for the bigger cities because I do believe now and my colleagues have, who are working in smaller cities uh, and even in villages have told me that it's almost the same. So what we see is a, a lot of depression and of course we are aware of the increasing rates of suicide which is a horrible aspect of what is happening in our societies. Yes. We see a great deal of drug addiction. We see a lot of Obsessive compulsive disorders. There's an increasing amount of aggression. I mean, nowadays, when you open the newspaper or you watch television, you're seeing the aggression that our kids somehow seem to be uh, indulging in. We do see also issues related to relationships, issues related to eating, issues related to sleep. And there's a fair amount of issues related also to social media and things like that. So mm -hmm. it's across the spectrum. There may be mm -hmm. certain age groups where we might see a little more of one than the other. But by and large, now, unfortunately, we are seeing mental health uh, issues as an epidemic in India. So right now we're talking of the COVID epidemic and the pandemic. We should be actually talking of mental health issues being the pandemic that has been there since so many years. Mm. So you just mentioned in terms of the increase in aggression would you say that social media has a huge role to play when it comes to mental health of everyone, including the kids and the teens? Well, I'd certainly say that it plays an important role. Whether it plays mm -hmm. this huge role, I think, may be subject to conjecture. We are not absolutely certain about it. And though it is something very nice to hang one's peg on, it's not necessarily true unless specific studies have been done on it. Now, there have been studies done on it. People have talked of addiction. People, uh, certain colleges are even start, medical colleges are even starting off, you know, social addiction clinics and things like that. But the bottom line is we are not absolutely certain as to whether this is an addiction and the variety of it being an addiction. Mm -hmm. What we do know, of course, is that it does play an extremely important role. So especially if the kid is left unsupervised or even if he's supervised to some extent and mm -hmm. he sees episodes of aggression sexual, physical or otherwise, over and over and over again, mm -hmm. then he kind of desensitizes his mind to it. So now, for example, supposing for the first time I see a man hitting a woman, mm -hmm. I might I might be shocked and embarrassed and, you know, horrified at that. But mm -hmm. if I see this about 20 times a day for the next four, five, six months, 
Mm-hmm. I might just take it as, okay, it's something that happens regularly and what's the big deal? So this process of desensitization, which brings our emotional levels down to, you know, the pits rather than taking it, elevating it up to the heights is something that we certainly see uh, social media playing an extremely important role in. Mm-hmm. Added to that, when you have issues related to body shaming, sexual mm-hmm. naming, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the groupism that sometimes comes about, mm-hmm. uh, cyber issues, pedophilia, mm-hmm. all of that, there's no getting away from the fact that social media, though it's a very, very lovely and important part of today's teenage time, mm-hmm. also has the potential of being a horrible thing that can be misused. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Karsi, you just mentioned about desensitization. So I really want to get into this incident of the boys locker room that happened recently. And uh, of course, everyone is aware about it. Everyone has been talking about it. Uh, What are your thoughts on it? Uh, Do you think incidents like these are just the tip of the iceberg and there could be something deeper brewing in? I certainly believe so. I think everybody Mm -hmm. just reacts after a particular episode occurs. We Mm -hmm. all get into firefighting mode. We get into this arrest the children. What are the schools doing? Blah, blah, blah. But I mean, obviously, the rot is much, much more than that. Mm -hmm. So what are the things we should actually be looking for? Let's Mm -hmm. look into the fact that sex is natural. Sex is usual. Sex is normal. So Mm -hmm. we talk about childhood sexuality. We talk of infantile sexuality. We talk of young adult sexuality. We talk of old adult sexuality. We talk of geriatric sexuality now. Though mm-hmm. it's not something that a lot of us are very happy with. And mm-hmm. some of us are actually squeamish about. But yes. sexuality is something that is across all spectrums, all ages, all kinds. Now, if you're looking at sexuality and it's normal, we also have to be aware of the fact that the most important aspect related to sexuality actually resides in the brain. So if mm-hmm. the brain is functioning properly... You know, a lot of inhibitions which are considered normal and appropriate would take place. And Mm. you would be then in a position to deal with situations even related to sexuality as they may arise. So, for Mm. example, I might walk on the road and I might see somebody very beautiful. My brain will tell me that I can't do what I want with her. So I'm not going to jump on her, etc., etc. That means my brain is functioning properly. My social inhibitions have come into play. And I am doing what is considered to be appropriate and proper. Mm-hmm. Now, take it that a person either has some kind of disinhibition, which might be because of alcohol or drugs, might be disinhibited because there may be intellectual capacities, which are a little low, because sometimes you do find that kids or adults with, uh, shall we say, slightly lower uh, intelligence might not actually know what is appropriate and might get cues of behavior which are not based on reality. Mm-hmm. Or they may be having issues related to personality. They may be having issues related to uh, improper sexual growth and education, which was not given to them. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, the environment plays an important role as well. So mm-hmm. if you are, for example, in an environment where you see adults around you, the cool cats, you know, the, mm-hmm. the group who you'd like to be a part of, and yes. they are constantly whistling at women and, uh, you know, calling them inappropriate names or uh, attempting to touch them inappropriately or things like that Mm. and everybody claps and you know everybody considers them to be very cool and very great then you're going to grow up thinking that that is okay and in order for you to be part of that same group and to be part of that same paradigm you're going to land up doing the same kind of 
inappropriate behaviors, which certainly should not happen. Mm-hmm. So that is one thing that happens. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we are looking at is in terms of improper sex education. And sex mm-hmm. education is not only, you know, talking of the genitals and talking of the hormones, but when we do sex education, it should be related to what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. The, the, the you know, we talk about dating. We talk about the right for both people in a relationship to say no. And somehow that aspect doesn't seem to come across. We talk about respect given to the opposite sex or even mm-hmm. the same sex. We talk about what is acceptable behavior, what is not acceptable behavior, and how it's okay for a person to say no and yet be a friend, that kind of thing. Somehow mm-hmm. that thing doesn't happen. Occasionally also, we need to look at things like, uh, you know, the environment that the person is brought up in. So his own family. Now, if mm. in his family, the man is the Raja Sahib and he's not mm. supposed to do anything and the girl who's his sister is considered in a funny way to be a second class citizen and has to do stuff which, of course, the boy can't do just because he's a boy. Mm. Then he grows up feeling privileged and he grows up feeling that if he wants something, he should have it. We do see a lot of it. I'm pleased to note that it is reducing fairly appreciably, but it is certainly still there to a very, very large extent. And it's across all economic status and it's across all, uh, you know, uh, sexes and uh, cities and so on. So you might have people from a very uh, small village who grow up with so-called right attitudes and people who are extremely educated and at the same time in big uh, cities who might land up uh, showing a lot of misogyny and a lot Mm. of I'm the superior person and you better shut up and listen to me kind of thing. Mm. And when you grow up with this feeling of uh, superiority in a sense, then Mm -hmm. it's not surprising that it's okay to slut shame somebody it's okay to talk absolute filth about somebody Mm -hmm. it's okay to talk about stuff like rape and so on Mm -hmm. hopefully it was just talk i mean which is why they call it boys locker room talk and locker rooms do have stuff like that Mm -hmm. somehow it doesn't it may not seem so inappropriate though it actually is inappropriate to have, say, 70, 60 and 70-year-old guys talking, you know, about yes. uh, that kind of thing. It's still quite mm. squeamish. I mean, you feel squeamish when you listen yes. to some of the stuff. Mm. But when you listen to 13 and 14 and 15-year-olds talking the same kind of thing, yeah, I don't think it's acceptable at all. So, uh, yes, there has been a reaction. Some people might call it an overreaction. We don't know if it's an overreaction or not. Mm-hmm. And I would certainly believe that... Uh, you know, just catching all of the guys and, you know, cops getting onto them and stuff like that is really not a long-term solution to the kind of travails and problems that our society seems to be in the throes of, where Mm. women are certainly, I think, developing much more intellectually, emotionally, uh, you know, they seem to be developing at a much higher rate than mm-hmm. men and the men don't know how to cope with this and then they like yes. doing stupid stuff. Mm, totally. Uh, so can I use the word here and I would really uh, like to use a word called mental hygiene where, you know, I see on social media people abusing each other and uh, things like these emerging from social media. Uh, it's a reflection of a culture uh, which is deeply penetrated with patriarchy and a lot of other things that we need to question about. 
how is this mental hygiene related to our mental health and do we need to be very careful about this hygiene well i'm not absolutely certain that we do but uh, you mm. know when we are actually talking of mental hygiene mm. what do we mean we are talking about something where you maintain you kind of prevent mental disorders through education and early treatment you try to do public health stuff which prevents uh, you know mental issues from coming about or are you are you are you are you careful about how are you dealing with on a day to day basis on a social media all with your friends how are your thought processes going in what direction if you keep your mental hygiene intact perhaps you'll have more balanced mental health okay i i'm not absolutely certain that i agree with that because i mm. don't think that mental hygiene was even made at the time when social media was available so i don't think that okay. the term mental hygiene mm. was meant specifically mm. talking about uh, social media mm. but if you are extrapolating as to what you're saying yes maybe it is a good idea to do things which uh, which would make sense mentally which would make a person who you're directing the conversation to feel more positive rather than feel more negative to mm-hmm. to build up a person's self esteem rather than push him down and say what an idiot you are yeah. to make a person feel good about himself rather than saying then saying things that make the person feel that he's trash so if mm-hmm. you're looking at all of that as being part of mental hygiene i certainly believe that it's a good thing to do i mm-hmm. certainly believe that we have to focus more on the positives rather than the negatives mm-hmm. to look at the 100 good things rather than the five bad ones which all of us seem to be doing right now Hmm. Sure, sir. So now these boys have been questioned, and they're like some fifteen under fifteen year old. A few of them are seventeen years, eighteen years old, and a series of IPC codes have been thrown at them. So how is that going to affect them? What kind of punishment is going to be given to them about something they perhaps they were doing it unknowingly and were not taught or made aware about it? that's really true and i'm glad you brought this up you know when nirbhaya sure. happened when it shocked yeah. the conscience of the whole nation yeah. people started talking about the fact that the youngest of them apparently was the most brutal he was about 17 and uh, unfortunately just because the verdict even though it was a so called fast track court took about 7 years people got disgusted with the whole thing mm-hmm. uh, somebody uh, to i think the youngest guy actually left the place and apparently is in goa somewhere strumming in a guitar and so on and so forth it mm-hmm. shocked the conscience of the nation if mm-hmm. you're looking at what is happening now i think the youngsters the very young ones have to be dealt with maybe a little differently the mm-hmm. guys who are 17 and 18 maybe dealt with a little differently mm-hmm. even though it's not necessarily true that the younger you are the more so called innocent you are mm-hmm. but i mean i think some of us have to go ahead with the idea that one mm-hmm. doesn't just you know shoot the dog it's like if a dog is barking let's not shoot the dog and make him stop barking yes. let's train him so that he doesn't bark so mm-hmm. my point is if you have kids especially in a situation like this i mean you certainly have to go to the right channels and so on and so forth mm-hmm. but i cannot think that it is would be a good thing if the guys are put into jail or some kind of remand home because jails and remand homes are probably the places where if a person is not tilted or just on the borderline he's going to tilt forward and actually become a criminal by the time he comes out yes yes so i certainly don't think that that is a solution what is the solution i really don't know mm-hmm. i think it's imperative that a psychiatrist and a psychologist have to both be involved with whatever be the decisions that the 
welfare committees are making related to this uh mm-hmm. so that it's not only a sociological or a principal or a or a policeman who decides what is to be done but it's also a mental health professional and i would think a psychiatrist would be probably a little more efficient at this in this particular stage mm-hmm. who would be in a better position to suggest what should be done even mm-hmm. if you have to put the persons away for a while just putting him away and not having any kind of psychological input is stupid sure so if he's going sure. to be put away he's going to need a whole bunch of therapy maybe even medication uh you know uh techniques in which he can learn to say no if he feels that he has to say no but he's just saying yes because he wants to be part of the gang uh, what we call assertiveness training and stuff like that all of that is imperative now one of the things of course we have to do is to rule out psychological psychiatric issues to rule out parental issues to rule out genetic things which might have been there which are making a person also re- overreact or react in a particular way mm-hmm. it's you know i mean we have to look at this as a disease and treat it as a disease rather than just as a as a crime punishment thing of course it's a crime nobody is negating that but mm-hmm. we certainly have to do this the mm-hmm. other part that i'd also talk about is you know everybody talks about the boys etc yes. we need to get the parents involved as well Hmm. Our parents of the boys are certainly going to be extremely defensive and say that my son was not involved and he was just yeah. part of it and blah blah blah. Hmm. I think denial no longer can be acceptable over here. So the parents also have to be involved. There are grandparents; they have to be involved hmm. so that hopefully uh, a recurrence of such kind of behavior would not happen. I think sure. it's also essential. Mm-hmm. that even i mean we have to we have to maintain privacy of the kids but yes. if somehow some press releases can be given out at regular intervals mm-hmm. telling the general public as to what has been the role of whatever be the agencies dealing with the problem mm-hmm. so that the whole of india is aware that you know it's not just brushed under the carpet and yeah. you know it's not that some influence has been used and no punishment has occurred I think it's extremely essential for everybody in this country to be aware and to be uh, familiar with the fact that the law is going to play a role and that certain therapies or medications or whatever else it is will also play a role so you better not land up doing what you are doing mm-hmm. to some extent then a coercive uh, method where you're saying that you know you you play up and you're going to land in trouble and in addition a gentler method dealing with the therapies i think a combination of both is a must mm-hmm. sure sir so so now right now as cops are dealing with them on a very uh, independent uh, solely they're dealing with them they need to work hand in hand perhaps with psychologist perhaps with psychiatrist and also perhaps with law which needs to reinvent itself i would believe so and over here i also believe that it's essential to deal with the girl or the girls who were also shamed yeah. and who were talked about and i believe there was some morphing that was done they yes. must be also passing through hell and they need to be told that i mean they need to be helped to cope with their own feelings of indignity and shame and frustration and anguish or whatever else it is we sure. don't want that this leads to something of an action which is irrevocable sure so so the girls especially the one who was the whistle blower and she was being objectified uh, she would have gone through hell in terms of even understanding that why she was it it we can't even fathom what she would be going through so i agree 
so what do you think in terms of the counseling that can be given to you know uh, the girl when it comes to this what do you think meaning of course she needs therapy she will go to mm. therapy she might even need medication depending yeah. on what comes about <laughs> mm-hmm. there may be something related to the trauma that she's been through if there were mm-hmm. already psychiatric issues mm-hmm. because let's remember that 25% of the population at any given time might have a psychiatric issue yes. so if there were already psychiatric issues that are occurring and this is the age at which they normally start getting manifest then it's very likely that they are going to be accentuated or aggravated mm-hmm. so she really is going to need help with a psychiatrist it's an absolute must mm-hmm. and in so, addition to that her parents mm-hmm. will also need a lot of help so that you know they react to her in the right way they yes. should not land up just saying things like get off the instagram account we told you not to get on to it i mean that's really not a solution to anything that has happened so far mhm sure uh, dr kasi what do you think about those kids who were in the group uh, of the boys locker room but they were the silent spectators yeah. and they never participated they never participated yes they were the passive ones who were absorbing the information but they were never retaliating against this what kind of psychological effect would they be going through i think it's extremely important also for us to look at that aspect mm. in every group you have the doers the guys who go yeah. ahead and do things mm. and you have the passive guys who just stand and clap and sometimes in the kind of josh of the moment they also land up doing things uh, this is actually what we call group dynamics you know a group will function yes. very different mm. from an individual mm. yeah so these guys i'm sure will be as badly affected as badly ashamed maybe overawed at all that is happening <clears throat> extremely apprehensive etc etc mm-hmm. they need to be dealt with slightly differently mm-hmm. and told that they have to learn how not to participate in something uh, the fact that they are not really participating as much as the others hopefully was an indication that they did not really like what was happening and they have to be <clears throat> in a sense told about how it's okay to say no how it's okay to move away if things are not what you'd like how it's okay to leave a group even though you want to be in that group of the group talks absolute filth things like that so the way you deal with them is very very different we don't want that the passive guy becomes active mm. we want the passive guy moves away and stays away from negativity sure sir so what is it that we can put uh, in terms of a school curriculum in a very early stage so the kids are aware about these situations that might you know happen in the future in, in their environment around them or they could be part of that environment themselves yeah. so one of the important things of course is sex education but we don't talk about it only as sex education we are talking mm-hmm. about it in terms of sexuality Mm-hmm. uh i think it has now become mandatory in most schools unfortunately most schools started at the age of in the 8th standard you know 7th 8th standard but sir it is uh, just interfering here sir but with these kids who were part of this they were from very high end south delhi schools yeah. uh, with both the parents working so it's pretty astonishing how could that happen in such an environment no no that's okay it can happen anywhere otherwise mm-hmm. we'd say that the rich people don't go into jail which of course doesn't happen <laughs> yeah. so uh mm-hmm. what i'm saying in terms of the sex education is that you know mm-hmm. a lot of schools do have sex education but they started at the eight, at the 8th standard level or the 9th standard level and we have been 
propounding since ages that you got to start it right from the beginning, standard one, two, three. You start you start talking about good touch, bad touch, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. Work your way up. And through all of this, by the time you come to the 8th, 9th, 10th, because it's biology and you're learning about various organs of the body, you're going to learn about the genitals and stuff like that. And that is where, in addition to everything else, we normally would suggest that you have conversations relating to sexuality, where mm. you're talking about what is okay, what is not okay, the necessity of saying no at times, how it's okay to accept that a person may not respond to you the way you want them to, what respect is all about, etc., etc. There's a whole curriculum that can be worked around it, which a lot of schools do, but a lot of schools don't. Mm-hmm. More important than only schools, I think it's also essential for parents at home. You know, yes, we say kids are in school eight hours, nine hours in a day, but it's also important for parents at home to be the good role model. If daddy comes home or mommy comes home and starts flinging things around and mm-hmm. talking abuse related to sexuality, then mm-hmm. the kid is going to think that it's perfectly okay. And mm-hmm. he's going to emulate what he sees and the overall result is certainly not going to be what we'd like it to be. So it's important that our entire perspective changes, like you had once said, from the patriarchal, misogynistic, man is superior, man should only play with guns when he's a kid, girl should play house house when she's a child, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All of that has to change over a period of time uh, so that... Society starts saying that if the kid is misbehaving with another kid, it shouldn't be the girl who's not allowed to go out at 8 o'clock because after 8 o'clock that boy will misbehave with you. It should Mm -hmm. be the boy is supposed to not come out so that the girl can go out as long as she wants Mm -hmm. and know that she's safe. Till Mm -hmm. we change that perspective, which may or may not actually happen to the extent that we'd like to see it. Mm -hmm. But at least if we actually see some change occurring, then hopefully we won't see too many cases similar to what we are seeing now. To Mm -hmm. even think that this is absolutely going to stop is utopian, and I don't believe in utopia. But Mm -hmm. certainly we can expect that there will be a reduction in a great, uh, to a large extent, in the frequency of the nonsense that seems to be happening in today's generation. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Kersi, what do you see the future of these kids involved in the boys' rock, locker room in, boys in question uh, right yeah. now? But so I certainly believe it will be frightening for them. I certainly believe that their little bubble where they believe that they were the kings of the universe and nothing would happen has been punctured. We would hope that there is some amount of, uh, of counseling, therapy, <coughs> psychoeducation, sexual education psychiatric service which is available to them and then we would hope that all of that will make them change and become people who we would be proud to call part of our family if that doesn't happen and if there's only the punitive approach i'm afraid i don't see any positive changes occurring you're going to get a rebellious angry frustrated Mm -hmm. person who's probably going to come out and become even more you know, uh, vicious as he grows older because he has really not understood the difference between what is acceptable and what is not and has not understood that it's okay for a person to say no to him or not want that he should do things to that other person and it doesn't mean that he has to retaliate in order to prove a point. Sure. Thank you so much, Dr. Kersi, for your time. 
absolute pleasure so it actually starts from home how do you treat the women in the house how do you treat your mom how do you treat your wife how do you treat your daughter how do you treat your son and daughter together and then of course it spreads through the schools regarding sex education regarding sexuality and that's the only way that we are going to stop this culture that has already penetrated deep into the indian psyche that's it for now guys do connect to us and tell us what you thought about the episode tell us what you thought about the whole incident of the boys locker room and how can this be prevented in the future and what did you think is should be the kind of uh, punishment if i may call it the law should take towards these boys